Thanks for tuning in to Andrea in the Morning. This is Andrea Raquel, the social entrepreneur and sugar-free coach. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in and following. I hope you've liked our page on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash sugar-free coach, as well as on Twitter. You can catch me on Twitter at sugar-free coach. I will follow back and reciprocate. I always do. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Living Sugar-Free Lifestyle Show, Andrea in the Morning. I am your host, Andrea Raquel, the social entrepreneur and sugar-free coach. And this is the writing business episode in a creator series that has been amazing. If you have not already listened, go back and listen to the previous episodes. We have had some very, very interesting and amazing authors, producers, and creators who have shared a wealth of knowledge. Definitely go back and listen to those previous episodes. But today we are speaking with Dr. John Ketchum, and he is the author of The Zero's Journey. And we're so excited to present to him present him to you today because he's sharing a wealth of information, not just about writing, but about living well in general. So stick with us. We'll be back after a break with more from Dr. John. But if you haven't already, as I said, listen to the previous episodes. Definitely join us everywhere you can around the net. If you join us on Facebook, you can join the Living Sugar Free group. And if you haven't already picked up a copy of the Living Sugar Free Revealed book, you can do that on Amazon. If you're listening from Spotify or iTunes or Google Podcasts, we appreciate you. If you'd like to share a message, you can do that on any social media platform. Shoot us a note, ask ask a question for any of our guests. But if you'd like us to get your question on the air, go ahead and just join us on Anchor and send us a message, and we'll definitely try to get your question on. We appreciate you so much for joining us, and we'll be back with Dr. John after break. I'm Di Dalio, author of Don't Drink the Water, and you're listening to the Living Sugar-Free Lifestyle Show with Andrea in the Morning. Good morning. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. We are speaking with Dr. John Ketchum, and he is the author of The Zero's Guide, as well as several other books, and I'm so excited to be talking to him today. We've known each other for quite a while across the internet. And I've been following his writings for quite a while, and his story is so interesting. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me. My pleasure. So I just want to give the people an opportunity. You know, oftentimes we read books, and then getting to know the person behind the story really is, you know, just so exciting. So if you would, just share with everyone a little bit about yourself, anything you want to share, that's fine, you know. And, and you know, like the, the, the non-doctor stuff, the non-author stuff, what do you like to do? What, do you, what are your hobbies? That sort of thing. Okay. Um, well, I'll start with my hobbies, I guess, because that's the easiest. Um, I'm an avid weightlifting fan, bodybuilding. Um, many years, maybe many lifetimes ago, I used to compete in natural bodybuilding. And while I certainly don't look like I did back then, I still enjoy the, the workouts as much. And I, I put a tremendous amount of time into that still. 
Do you compete? I did. I did in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. Um, I haven't since that. I just, I, I just do the training now. Training's easy. Dieting's hard. That's exciting. I actually have a cousin. She does um, bodybuilding competition. We're going to be going to one of her competitions soon. That requires a lot of discipline, mental and physical. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. Excellent. Okay. And I noticed from a lot of your videos, you love nature. I love the rooster crowing in the background, by the way. That was so perfect. I'm gonna, that's going to be like my go-to radio liner. It's <laughs> so great. <laughs> yeah, I, I joke with people. I don't have a yard. I have woods. I don't have any grass to mow. It's all trees. That's so awesome. And it really, really, I mean, just... I've read up on something they call earthing and just, I found that just being in nature, it just really, really contributes to the quality of life. It really does. It's a great way to get, keep yourself grounded and stay connected. Okay. Excellent. So tell us, I, you've written quite a few books and you know, this is a creator series. And so, you know, we really want to share like, for those people who are struggling to get their books written, you know, maybe they're thinking about becoming an author, but they don't know where to start. What would you say was the hardest part about getting, getting your first book published? Well, it's definitely a journey. I, I've learned, and I'll say it's an expensive journey, but it's, it's well worth it. My first book, which wasn't anything particularly spectacular, but my, my first book was something I published through what they call a vanity press. And and I'll I'll tell you the nuts and bolts of that. Basically, I spent $5,000 and they published my book. The upside is you get published. The downside is that when you use a vanity press, they own the ISBN, which means that particular version, that edition of my book, I don't own it. They own it. Oh, and for that $5,000, I got 10 copies of my book. And wow. there's supposed to be royalties, but typical with a lot of vanity presses, there's various administrative fees. I've never seen a royalty. I've never seen one penny. <clears throat> but it was a really good learning experience. Published The Zero's Journey, which is my magnum opus, so to speak. I took everything I learned from that experience And I spent another $5,000, but this time I bought myself a MacBook Pro. I got Office for Mac software. I got Adobe Acrobat Pro software. And I wrote, edited the entire thing. I published through a printer that specializes in short-run offset printing. And for the same $5,000, basically, I had a computer. I had Office for Mac software, I had Adobe Acrobat software, and I ended up with 330 copies hardback of my book. So it it was, I I, I got tenfold and then some more than I got from the first time. Plus, then when I published my third book, which was The Golden Rule, R-O-L-E, Just Be Nice, I already had the software, I already had the computer, so that one didn't cost me anything because I used CreateSpace, like you've said. And I also, then I published my fourth book, Ask Why What. But also, I, I already had the software, I already had the computer, and I knew how to do it. And once you publish to CreateSpace, once you have a file that's uh, acceptable to CreateSpace, 
Then you can also go on to Ingram Spark, where they have what's called their Lightning Source International Catalog, and you can get into that. And it costs money if you go directly to Ingram Spark to have them right. put it on this. But if you're already up on CreateSpace, and I assume it's the same now with Kindle Direct, once you already have a file that's uploaded on there, you can then go to Ingram Spark and they'll transfer it over for free. Oh. My books are available worldwide through both Ingram Spark, through the Lightning Source catalog, as well as CreateSpace or Kindle Direct, whatever. So I went from paying a ton of money and getting nothing, paying another ton of money and getting a, a bunch of hard copy books and a lot of experience in the software and computer hardware I needed. And then a third, fourth books were free. That's a nice little nugget that I bet a lot of people don't know because I read and read and read and I did not know that about Ingram Spark. That's good information right there. Absolutely. As long as the file's already been uploaded to CreateSpace or, or Kindle Direct now and is acceptable and has passed all their vetting, then you can upload it directly to Ingram Spark at no charge. So it's interesting because, you know, I'm part of the writing community on a couple of different social media sites and you hear people talking about the issue. So since you've said that and given us this huge nugget about the technical and the practical aspects of it, it's interesting to me, the people that haven't said the thing that I thought was going to be the number one thing when I said, you know, what's the hardest part and, and how do you get into it? So tell me what, what made you first think, oh, I'm going to write a book, and, and, and do you experience that, that, creator, that creator's block, that writer's block that a lot of people talk about? As long as I'm writing about what I know, which my books are primarily philosophy-based, um, they're life-based, they're, they're, they're life manuals. And I'd like to say that I just kind of stumbled upon this stuff or found this stuff. Unfortunately, that's not really the case. I've bled most of this. So it's difficult not to write it. Writing kind of became therapy for me. As, as you know, part of my story, um, I used to like to say how I once heard a motivational speaker lament how what a shame it was that failures don't typically go around giving talks because there's so much you could learn from them if they did. And I thought to myself, first off, I'll tell you, the, the motivational speaker that I heard say that was Jim Rohn. I know you're a fan of his. <laughs> I sure all. am. But, but it's true. I used to have a six-figure uh, waiting list chiropractic practice. I was doing very well for myself. And then the insurance industry rewrote all the rules and took all of the profitability out of practice and most of the fun out of it as well. And I lost everything. And when I wrote The Zero's Journey, it was written from the depths of my despair as I struggled to find meaning in what had suddenly become a very meaningless life to me at the time. And it, it was my way of, of trying to find meaning, trying to sort things out. And through the process, as I kind of worked my way through, if this helps me, you know, maybe it could help others in a similar situation. So I, I didn't specifically sit down and say, gee, I think I'll write a book. I, I had written my first book, well, bouncing back a little bit, long story short, I, I used to belong to a chiropractic group in my area, and we would contribute uh, health beat columns to the new, local newspaper, and there were enough, enough of us that each of us would write once or twice a year, and I did that for 10 years, 
And my articles were fairly well received. And then I started kind of moving more towards the philosophy end. And I, I wrote a more philosophy-based article. And the newspaper editor called me up and says, geez, where'd that come from? I'm like, well, I, I don't know. <laughs> you, you know, he says, would you be willing to take on a, a regular column for us? Just you, whatever you want, spouting philosophy. But, All right. Yeah, you know. So I did. I did that for several years. And that was kind of what led me to do the first book. And when I wrote the first book was uh, called I Contractor One, Constructing Your Perfect Life by Remodeling You from the Inside Out. And when I started to write my second book, which is The Zero's Journey, A Modern Day Survival Guide to Weathering Accidental Enlightenment, my initial thought was it was just going to be uh, uh, expounding upon a little bit of what I talked about in the first book. And unfortunately, that's around the same time that I lost my practice and lost a lot of things, went through bankruptcy and really had my whole world taken, rocked from under me, you know. And it, the book grew into something far different, far bigger than that. And that's why I say the Zero's Journey is kind of like it's magnum opus because it was my way, first off, of finding my way out of the darkness. And then it's my way as I, going forward of offering hope to the hopeless and helping the broken to rekindle their dreams. And it just, by going through that and, and having so much pain to draw upon, I didn't have a whole lot of trouble writing that, to be honest with you. It just kind of flowed, huh? Yeah. You know, it was the kind of thing. I always keep a tablet and pen by my, my, by my bedside. And most of it would happen as I'm falling asleep at night or when I first wake up in the morning. And I think Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield are, are two people I've heard say before how important, how they do the same thing, because most of their inspiration comes to them just as they're dozing off or just as they're waking up. And I don't ever wait and think, oh, geez, maybe I'll remember that in the morning. I know I won't. So I, I sit up. Oh, yeah, definitely. Not. That, that's so true. I mean, if you if you're up late at night and you're not sleeping, chances are it's because there's something on you and you should definitely get it out on paper. That's just it. And, and in those instances, I, I truly believe it flows through us. I don't think that I, I'd like to say that I just came up with all this out of my own wonderful intellect. But I, I don't believe that. I, I believe that it was channeled through me. And, and I knew better than to neglect that or deny that. And I wrote it down as it came to me. Yes, that's good wisdom. That's good. So, so basically, your writing process is that you keep a notebook with you all the time. You don't force it, in other words. And, and we've kind of talked about that a little bit on previous shows. And, and most of the people that we've spoken with already up until now are writing fiction books. Mm -hmm. So I think this is very helpful for people because, you know, it's not different. Even if you're writing fiction, I don't feel like it's different. You know, still there's a lot of messages to be shared and a lot of insight that can be gained. And when you're sort of gifted with the information, it just comes to you, but you have to allow it to flow. Oh, right? Absolutely. You have to respect it by acknowledging it and putting it down. Yeah, that's good word. That's good word. You know, I can't remember how we met. Do you? I don't. I know it's been quite a few years, but I, I don't. Well, I thought, and I went to go look just to see, I thought that it was through um, Empire Avenue. And then I realized you're not on there. And then I thought maybe it's see me. But then I realized that we had a connection in common, and I think we might owe thanks to Larry Hoffman. Oh, okay. Yeah, I am. I just, I just, 
I just realized that that was our common friend. We don't have a lot of common. And see, usually through social media, you end up having like some ridiculous number, 20, 30, 50 connections in common. If you've all met on like one of these, you know, all these websites that have come and gone that are no longer even around. Usually there's like 20, 30, 50 connections, but we don't have that. We have like five for as many (laughs) years as we've known each other. And I was like, Bet it's through Larry Hockman. That that would make sense. He's a pos- He's a very very positive guy. He really is. And I haven't talked to him in quite a while, but he always I follow his his posts, and he always has a very positive message. So I think that that would make sense as to how we met. But I just want to tell you, I appreciate the way that you share selflessly with people. Um, you know, you won't find a lot of people sharing excerpts out of their books and, you know, videos that you don't have to pay for. So to me, that says a lot about the genuineness of the information that you share. My take on it is this, Andrea. I don't know whether my books, my message, my talks, whether they'll take off in my lifetime or not. That's not really up to me. My, I I feel my, my purpose is to put them out there and hopefully they'll ease the, what was a tumultuous journey for myself, maybe it'll ease it for someone else. Whether that happens now, 10 years from now, 100 years from now, isn't up to me to decide. All I know is I have to put it out there and, and the right people, the people that need it will find it. Hey, what's up? I'm Daniel Chapman, a.k.a. 1202 Deuce Lee. And you are listening to the Living Sugar Free Lifestyle Show with Andrea in the morning. Thank you for hanging out with us today on this writing business episode of the Living Sugar Free Lifestyle Show, Andrea in the morning. We've been doing this creator series for the entire month, and we have had some amazing creators on to share with you. And today is no different. Dr. John has been sharing his information, his knowledge, and experience with us. Please do follow him everywhere around the net. You can find him at Dr. John M. Ketchum everywhere. And let him know how much you appreciate hearing from him. We're going to hear from hear more from Dr. John. And he's going to talk to us about living well and you know what it really takes, not just to be a great writer, but also to just have... Uh, total wellness in your life. Here's more from Dr. John. Do you write every day? No. Um, I, I go in, wa- in fits and waves with it. Um, I, I wrote, I want to say, I, I did Eye Contractor. I wrote in 2011, published it in 12. I wrote The Zero's Journey in 13 and 14 and published it in 15. The Golden Rule, which is a essentially a handbook workbook to go with the zero's journey i published one year later um in between the two i i also published the zero's journey in paperback and then two years after the golden rule i wrote ask me who i was which is a compilation of a lot of the articles that i had submitted and, and run to our local newspaper now how do you move from being 
and, and I know you won't say this about yourself, but I'm saying it. How do you move from being a great writer to a great speaker? Because a lot of people have it. There's even people that I've read their works and I think it's amazing. And I invite them to do an interview and they're like, oh no, I could never do that. I don't think I'd be very good. But how do you, were you always a presenter or did you have to kind of build up to that? Practice, practice, practice. I, I, the talks I've written, I practice maniacally, annoyingly perhaps, but I, 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 I write them down, I work them out, I, I, I rehearse them over and over and over again. I do it till I can do it in my sleep. I do it while I'm driving, I do it while I'm in the shower. I practice and I listen to it and I, I record them and I play them back and sound, listen to how awful they sound and then I work on them and tweak them and, and I practice. That's what I do too. What made you what made you wake up one day and go, I can do this? I don't know. I just woke up one day and knew that I had to do this. Um, that's, th- that's, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. And, and I think that your point that you're making is very good because it's, there's something about the selflessness that allows you to sort of end up where you're supposed to be. Because if you're not willing to give of yourself, then you won't ever find out that you can do it. Does that, is that, would you agree with that? Absolutely. And it's not, the the thing that helps me the most is this isn't about me. This isn't about, Oh geez. Are are people going to look at me and think, Oh gosh, he's not the right height or he's not the right this, or he's not the right that. I I don't, I don't think any of that matters. All that matters is the message. And it doesn't matter how that messenger looks, where it's coming from. So I focus on the message and in doing that, it gets all, all the meanest out of the way. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't really pay attention that terrible once. I mean, I, I listen to the recording, so I want it to sound, I, I want to be able to convey the proper message, but I, I don't really worry about what people are going to think, if that makes sense to you. It makes total sense. I mean, I, I, I find sometimes, you know, I deal with a lot of different um, communities in, in just trying to share and give of myself. I deal with veterans communities and autism communities and minority communities. And I see people laboring over certain issues. Just today, I saw what someone said that, um, you know, have you ever had a day where you don't say any of the right things and, and you just feel off? And I was kind of like, you know, for some of us, that's every day. I would say and, most and, days that but, applies, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> but the beautiful thing in that is that it forces you to become or to get to a point where you just have to accept who you are and, and be okay with yourself completely flawed and, and, and know that your intentions and what you're trying to share is more important than whether you're, you know, whether you, like you said, whether you look a certain way or whether you're tall enough or whether you say everything perfectly. Now, have you always been that way or did, did sort of the things that you went through develop that in you? Um, I, I would say to some extent I was that way, and along the way I lost some of that, let's say. And then going through this, I got all that back and then some. And, mm-hmm. and along the way, part of that, I, I'm a firm believer in doing the most that you can, the best that you can, with what you have available at any given moment. And when I wrote my books, particularly my earliest ones, I did not have a team of people to work with me on these. I had me. No, I ran it past my wife. I ran it past my kids. But for the most part, I had me. And every word, the books, I won't say they're perfect. They're not perfect. But everything that's in there is me. I typed, I mm-hmm. hand wrote every word initially. I typed every single letter of it. I formatted every single bit of it. 
I structured it. I, I did the editing. I did the proofing. I created my own covers. I, I did everything. Not because I thought, oh, gosh, I'm so great and I can do all this, but because I didn't have anybody do any of that. And rather than wait until I could someday maybe afford that, I did what I could with what I had. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm pleased with how the books came out. I'm pleased. The, the message, I think, is very clear in them. I'm, I, you know, I created my own logo. All, all the memes you see that I put up on Instagram, I make all those. I make all my own videos. I put all my own text on them. Again, just because I didn't know anybody that did any of those things. And at a time when I wasn't able to afford to go out and find people to do it for me, I wasn't going to let that stop me. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you pretty much only speak and write books now. You don't do chiropractic anymore, is that Well, correct? yes and no. I do not do chiropractic anymore. That is correct. Um, I do speak and write. I also have a if you want to call it such a day job uh, prior to being in chiropractic, I worked in accounting in corporate accounting for a few years and I returned to that sort of, I do accounting for uh, our local uh, housing authority as a day job, but I do the speaking and the writing as well. Chiropractic, mm-hmm. however, I am fully retired. Okay. And so, you know, it's funny because it, it, Early on, I think I thought you were a doctor of psychology. I think I thought that. I, I think I remember going, oh, wait, no, he's a chiropractic doctor. So have you studied psychology or is all of this really this journey and this information and this self-discovery and enlightenment, is this fully just organic or did you like, I mean, I know you've kind of read on your own, but did you have any sort of formal education in psychology or philosophy? I actually studied psychology. My first year in college, I was going to be a psychology major. So the first year or two, I, I took a significant amount of psychology classes. Yes. And I also, I went I, to where I, my, my undergraduate work was at St. Bonaventure University in New York. And they had a real okay. heavy philosophy and theology bent to their their programs at the time as well so i i've i have had a lot of exposure to that yes so you've studied a lot of the old uh thinkers if you will i was a philosophy major well i actually started off as a psychology major but it kind of rubbed me the wrong way i didn't know at the time (laughs) that it was because a lot of the stuff that they didn't quite understand then was about me you know being autistic (laughs) but um so I ended up in philosophy but um a lot of the stuff you talk about that's why you know we just connected so on so many different points but I think that those um ancient um writers those old writers they sort of encouraged a little bit more um than what we do now absolutely people people opening up their own selves. And we talked about this a little bit on previous interviews about being polymaths where, you know, people are, you know, you might be a doctor of chiropractic, but you're also an accountant and you also write books and you also love nature and weightlifting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we have these artistic abilities and all of these different things sort of really, really allow us to kind of tap into who we really are. Well, I like looking to a lot of the older texts, particularly, I, I like looking at religions, for instance, and finding the similarities. I, I, mm-hmm. I've read a lot of the Bible. I've also read a lot of the Bhagavad Gita, a lot of the Book of Mencius, Tao Te Chang. I love all of those. There, there is yes. so much deep wisdom, in all, and there are similarities in all of those. Yes. yes. 
Yes, I love it. I mean, I you kind of gave me goosebumps a little bit when you said that, um, you know, because I just, I really respect even, you know, you know, even for me being a black woman, when I, when I look at, you know, and this isn't, you know, so the popular thing to do, but, you know, I look at a lot of old philosophers and even some of the founding fathers, and I can really appreciate their wisdom, even if they quote unquote had slaves or whatever the thing is. Like you said, a lot of different people and schools of thought and even religions have a lot of similarities. And I really true that, truly believe that you can get a, get a lot of understanding by kind of opening your mind up to a lot of different perspectives. I agree. So I was reading something. I probably should take a break here because this is kind of, this might take a minute to answer. It was, there was something that you said in one of your blogs, or actually a whole blog is about that I was reading. And I wanted to give you a chance to expound on it when we come back from the break about the law of attraction. Okay. So, um, Hi, I'm Dr. Tara Sanderson, and you're listening to the Living Sugar-Free Lifestyle Show with Andrea in the Morning. Welcome back. Thank you so much, guys, for sticking with us. I'm so excited. We are speaking with Dr. John M. Ketchum, the author of The Zero's Journey and so much more, and he is sharing his insight and wisdom. Even though he says he's not an expert, I think we can learn a lot from him. He shares a lot of his self and ultimately that's what we really need and that's what we can all learn from him when you write when you pour yourself out into words it's not about it being perfect or being a certain way or what genre it's about you allowing the words to flow through you and I love that point that he made and and so thank you so much for being with us again Dr. John. You're so welcome. Well I want to ask you a question and I hope it's not too controversial. I want to say this is around the time we first met, but I'm very familiar with the law of attraction. I've watched The Secret. I've seen the books and you know, I'm very familiar with the vision boards and all that kind of stuff. And I read something that you wrote that struck me like a bolt of lightning. I think I was in the house by myself hollering, amen. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, but it's, it's, it, it touched my heart in such a way because, you know, even though our journeys are very, very different, our books are very similar because that was all I could do. All I could do was write about what I know about mm-hmm. and try to share with other people, you know, how they could make it too and, and do something positive with the negative and all that kind of stuff like that. And so when you wrote about the law of attraction and how, you know, it can actually writing, doing vision boards and all that can actually cause people pain and illness I was like, come on, brother. So I'm going to let you elaborate on that, and I'm going to shut up now. Okay. And you're right. This is controversial. And I won't, I won't apologize much. This is, these are my beliefs. I'll tell you my thoughts on the law of attraction. Now, my first book, I Contractor One, was actually primarily my uh, book on the law of attraction. And I also am familiar with The Secret. I've read several of Rhonda Burns' books. I've read several of the books that spawned her books. Um, I, I've read In Tune with the Infinite, uh, some of Wallace Waddle's books. So I, I'm very familiar with the law of attraction. However, if, if you read some of the older books, they almost took it to the next level, which I'm going to take you to. And it, it, it came to me that the law of attraction was flawed. Because when you think of the law of attraction, 
and the way they explain it is, is like you put things out there and it magnetically draws things back towards you. But if you follow magnets, if you look at physics, for example, like poles repel one another. They don't attract, like poles repel. If you look at electricity, like and opposite charges are attracted, like charges repel one another also. And if you look even in biology or chemistry or physiology, if you dissolve solutes in solution, like dropping salt into water, what happens is things move from high concentration to low concentration, which is, again, opposites coming together, not like attracting like, like the law of attraction says. And it dawned on me that maybe what's more accurate is that instead of putting out there something that gets magnetically drawn back to you, maybe we put something out there that actually gets reflected back to us. And I refer to it as the law of reflection. And some people say, well, it sounds like semantics, law of attraction, law of reflection. You know, what's the big deal? But they're actually not even close. Law of attraction at its core says that you're lacking something, Andrea. It says that you're missing something that you need to focus on and visualize and, and think about to bring towards you because you don't have it already. And if you look at the Bible, according to the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 21, says that the kingdom of God is within you. It's there already. If you look at the Bhagavad Gita, in the Bhagavad Gita, in the 18th teaching, verse 61, Lord Krishna says, the Lord resides in the heart of all creatures. He's there already. And even if you look at Tibetan Buddhist precepts, you mentioned Buddhism, the secret wisdom of the Dzogchen teaches us that whatever we are looking for, it's always right here. What we seek, we already are. So by nature, with the law of attraction relying upon lack and the fact you have to attract anything in the first place, I felt that that was counter to, to what most of the ancient doctrines tell us. And if you want to take it one step further, the law of attraction can often be used, let me say misused, to, to, to judge others. For instance, people, the, the law of attraction has approached an almost cult-like fervor. Mm -hmm. And it's evolved into a mainstream propagandized approach, I think, for people who mm -hmm. feel good about themselves and the pursuit of their own selfish whims, but while completely divorcing themselves from the plight of others. It, it, it kind of promotes judgment and intolerance under the guise of empathy. You know, we want to be aware of the plight of others so we don't attract similarly. But I think it's completely devoid of compassion, you know, actually caring about the plight of others. It has a tendency, you know, it labels people. You got failures, losers, low lives, low resonators, I've heard them called. You know, it, it enables empathy, yet seemingly seems to inoculate against compassion because people, they got what they deserve, you know. They attracted it. How many times have I heard someone say, well, they attracted that. Mm -hmm. And I think it makes it okay for others to suffer because of maybe their erroneous ancestry or their heritage or their race or their faulty beliefs. Or as I like to jokingly say, for not having a sincere enough pumpkin patch, like from uh, Charlie Brown Halloween special. <laughs> but but, but it, it's true. It, it, it judges people for not conforming to a feather like the rest of the flock and for, for it condemns anyone who's seen as being of a different feather. And I, I think the law of attraction misses the boat kind of. I, I made a video, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago talking about... Uh, inside out and outside in 
Uh, oh yes! Oh, I love that video. Yeah, the same thing. The law of attraction is kind of saying that everything happens from outside in. It's like I, I'm lacking something, therefore I have to go out and visualize it. I have to think about it. I have to think and feel and act a certain way to fill my void. Whereas the law of reflection says it's already in you. You just have to release it out there so it can be reflected back to you through others. If you want, it, it can be reflected back to you on a magnified scale from the, from the mirror of God, so to speak. And the same thing in that video, I talked about things coming from inside out versus outside in. If it's inside out, it's already there inside of you. It's just a matter of, of finding it and releasing it. We're not lacking things. We just don't see them. We just don't see that they're there. And it's not a matter of attracting it. You can't attract something that you don't already have. So perhaps the best thing I could think of is, is if you think of a smile, if you go out into a room trying to attract a smile, but the whole time you're frowning at people, no one's going to smile back at you, and they, they might actually frown back at you. But if you go into a room and you smile genuinely at other people, you'll see that smile reflected back to you through the faces of many, many other people. And they're reflecting it. You're not attracting it. You have to put it out there first for them to reflect it back to you. I really hear what you're saying. And, and even in, in that video, um, I really hear the core of what you're saying tied to also the sentiment of sort of learning how to just be, being the change and giving first, as opposed to always focused on the things that we want, focusing on sort of a lacking mentality. Oh, I wish I had, I want, I'm going to attract as opposed to just seeing what can I give? Absolutely. Uh, one thing I've often said, if you want to have, the best way I found to improve chances for yourself is by actively working to improve the chances for someone else. So like, if you want to have your prayers answered, I always tell people, then start answering the prayers for others. If each of us did this for one another, then maybe one day all of our prayers might actually get answered too. Yes. Yes. And that's, and that's not being, that, that's not cutting God out of it. That's actually using your hands to do God's work. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's us being, you know, and being connected, being connected to everything, being connected to one another, being connected to the earth and, and really focusing on living out what, you know, not, um, who Abraham Lincoln, not what was it? I don't, I can't remember who, but not so much. What can I get? What can I look for? Who can do something for me? But what am I here for? What can I give? What can I leave behind? Yeah. And then just sort of knowing that if I do that, whatever it is, that is the ultimate of what I'm supposed to have, because I really don't even know fully what that is. It, it's going to be there for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I, I mean, I knew this was going to be awesome, but I just, I mean, talking with you, it just confirms everything that, you know, I read and that everything that you write about and, and you're such a genuine person. I'm, I'm just so honored I appreciate to share. I'm so honored to share you with the audience. Now here's, here's a question I want to know. What is, what is the next thing that we can expect from you? Are you working on any current publications that are going to be coming out? And is there anything that you'd like the audience to know? Let's give them a call to action because they're going to want more. Well, I do have a couple other books in the works right now. I'm working on one called the reach for the ring, which is a combination uh, life philosophy, what I've learned in 40 years of workout kind of book. 
Um, it's based on the concept of it, it used to be the, the old thing when people would ride the merry-go-round and they would reach for a, a ring as they, every time they went around on the carousel. And there'd be, a, there'd be a brass ring amongst a bunch of other silver rings. And you're always reaching for that brass ring or the golden ring, as, as uh, I think Sammy Hagar sings it. Um, that's one I'm working on. That probably won't be done for another year yet. Um, if they want something right now, the, the, the best thing I have to offer is in the Zero's Journey book. That's available worldwide. It's through Barnes & Noble. It's on Amazon.com. It's that, that's absolutely my, my greatest contribution at this point in time, I feel. And I would be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to share a little bit about this. Clearly, I'm the sugar-free coach, and a lot of people think that, you know, that the majority of my platform is about fitness, which it's not, you know, even though I taught fitness for a little while and I don't eat sugar, that's not my focus. My focus is really more about, you know, living well and helping people to discover their purpose. But wouldn't you agree that really, you know, if you want to lose weight or if you want to get healthy or whatever it is that you're not happy with your physical appearance, focusing on sort of just being and finding peace and, 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 and your purpose will go a long way towards that as well. Oh, absolutely. What a lot of people tend to do instead is they, they look for something to hate and they focus on, you know, I, I hate my stomach or I hate my this or I hate my other. My arms aren't big enough or, you know, or, or my belly's too big or, or whatever. And I, I think far more important than that is learning, coming to a place of loving yourself, however you are at the current moment. You, you can't expect it to change if you can't love it where it's at already. And it's, if you don't love, there's a, there's a wonderful quote, and, and this one's not mine, but if you don't love who you are already, changing the vehicle that, that is your, your, the vessel that is your body isn't going to change that. I can't begin to tell you how many people I've known over the years. I've been in, in bodybuilding and fitness for over 40 years. The people who, you know, they go through the weight loss surgeries or they, or, or they go on these radical diets or whatever, and, and they make radical changes, noticeable, visible di differences. And they look in that mirror and they still see a fat person or they still see a skinny, skinny person. They, they still have this self-loathing that no amount of changing the external appearance fixes because they have this internal void that's really what needs to be dealt with, not, not the external. And the external is not going to go away until you acknowledge it and accept it and love it where it's at. That's right. And it's also counterproductive, especially for women. There's a whole enzyme that women produce when they are negative towards themselves. And so if you're constantly calling yourself fat or talking about how ugly you are or whatever, you're going to keep that weight on. Absolutely. And then if you go and have plastic surgery, now you're, you know, you may be a lot smaller, but now you're having multiple plastic surgeries. Because it's never enough. It's never good enough. Well, I'll tell you, I'll give you just one example. Uh, and this isn't someone I knew personally, but it is someone I saw personally. John Panette, I don't know if you know who he was. He was a comedian. Funny, funny, funny comedian. One of my absolute all-time favorites. Very heavy man. And most of his comedy was about his size and his food and his love for food and everything. And somewhere along the line, someone convinced him that he needed to change his weight, needed to change everything. And they convinced him and he went and he had a weight loss surgery. And I went and saw him at one of the last performances he gave before he died. And he had done the weight loss surgery and he had lost a ton of weight. He looked like, quite honestly, he looked very unhealthy. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and I felt you, you, could, you could feel his pain was palpable to see him, to, to know what he'd gone through, what he clearly was thinking of himself and, and what he'd done to himself. And, and my personal opinion is had he have kept the weight on and, and gotten more comfortable with who he was as opposed to trying to be who someone else maybe said he should be, maybe he'd still mm-hmm. be here with us today. Yeah. Oh, breaks my heart to see that. I um, shared a video just the other day of a woman who, you know, she said she, and, and you know, I, it breaks my heart as a woman to see, you know, the fashion and the hair and the makeup and all the videos are on YouTube and, you know, it's just, it's so bombarding. So I understand how people get caught up in it, you know, and, and especially if you work in those industries, that's why, you know, I, I've never got into modeling because of that reason, you know, I'm not tall enough and oh, I'm not skinny enough. And I, and for whatever reason, maybe because of my mom, I don't know, but inside me, I just knew, you know what, this could be very bad. Oh, you know, yeah. you don't want to subject yourself to this, but you know, I shared a video the other day that a woman was sharing on YouTube where she said she had a surgery to have her butt enlarged and then it wasn't good enough. So she did it again and she lied to the doctor and didn't tell the doctor that she had already done it the first time. Mm-hmm. So it became extremely large and, and it was, you know, just horrible. And, and so she was on Facebook crying, but even in all of that, she still I didn't feel like was really acknowledging what she had done to herself and the self-hatred that she was operating with. She just really just wanted more surgery. And so it really breaks my heart. And, and I think that, you know, people getting, you know, the zero's journey and, and focusing on these wonderful principles that you're sharing. If you're listening to me and, you know, for those of you who send me messages about losing weight, you know, I tell you all the time, it's, you know, if, if all you're worried about is your looks, I can't help you. Yeah. Because first of all, you don't want to hear what I have to say anyway. You know, the first thing, if people are only worried about their looks, when I tell them to give up sugar, the first thing they go is, oh, well, I'm not giving up my sugar. What am I going to eat? Or what am I going to put in my tea? Or, you know, some sort of thing that to me makes it sound like you're a drug addict. Sure. Because it's food is, is just like drugs. I mean, you're covering up something because you're not happy. And people use it as that. And they try to fill the void with that, whether it's food or money or sex or whatever. Yep. And sugar is one of the biggest ones. It's one of the few legal ones. So it's common. And, and, you know, everything that we buy over the counter contributes to that. Well, Morky Fee has made her appearance, you guys. My co-host, she could not let this hour go by without saying (laughs) hi to everybody. Say hi to Dr. John Morky Fee. (laughs) it was such a pleasure to talk to you and i mean it's been i know it's been seven years i know it has oh yeah i'm sure well i hope you will come back and share with us again i would be glad to i really appreciate you bringing me on this has been a lot of fun to be honest i hope to see you in person one day i hope that we can be in the same room and share a stage if we have any events or anything like that you can absolutely expect an invitation I would love that. I would jump at the chance to. And you guys definitely get the Zero's Journey and all the rest of his books. Um, oh, gosh. I wanted to talk about one to another one. And you mentioned it. Um, and you just said it a little while ago. Um, it's called, um, let's just list them all for us. There's I Contractor One. There's the Zero's Journey. There's the Golden Rule. And there's Ask Me Who I Was. 
That's it. The golden roll, you guys. Not the golden rule, but the golden roll. R-O-L-E. Yes, sir. And you guys can follow Dr. John Ketchum everywhere. You can follow him on Twitter. You can follow him on Instagram. You can follow him on LinkedIn. And it's Dr. John M. Ketchum. Please follow and support. He's so very generous. You will get so much insight and wisdom just from sharing, what, reading his blog and following him and watching his videos. I highly encourage everyone listening. You know, I don't care if you're a musician. I don't care if you're an artist. I don't care if you're trying to be a publisher. All of this will go so much better for you if you take some time out and invest in your, your, your personal growth. That's how I've always, money spent on personal development is never money wasted. That's right. That's right. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for being with us. I look forward to talking to you again very, very soon. I look forward to it too. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this writing business episode with Dr. John and catch him. Follow him everywhere around the net. Pick up his book and on the next show we are going to hear from Liz the writing whiz you can connect with her as well everywhere that's at Liz the writing whiz we'll be talking about writing lifestyle we appreciate you so much for joining us and we look forward to talking with you again on the next episode of the living sugar free lifestyle show